0: Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, I know it's a couple days old for you now, but I officially can't talk trash about the Bears, and that makes me sad. But at the end of the day, we did need the Bears to win. My, my son kept asking me over and over, do we want them to win? And I would change my answer every time. Like, yeah, we, we do, but like, well, are you going to be upset if the Bears win? Like, well, yeah, but I don't I don't know, man. I don't know. It's good they won, but I hate that they won. And as far as Justin Fields, like, listen, I didn't even watch the whole game. I saw them get up, I think, 17 to 3, and then me and the kids watched Mr. Beast, and we just, like, tuned after each video, we went back and watched another little bit of the game to see where they were at. But from what I did see, it looks like Justin Fields is doing the thing that I said he was going to do coming into the season, and that is stare down DJ Moore. Every one of those big passes I saw, there was no second read. He sat in the pocket and just stared him down, and DJ Moore somehow came wide open. I mean, they're still they're accurate throws. I mean, I'll i will give them that. I can't really talk too much trash about it because Love is struggling with wide open throws. And don't get me wrong, I am happy that as of right now, I think, well, heres here's the crazy thing. If they end up with the number one pick, I think there's a really good chance Fields gets replaced, even if he continues to play like this. How do you turn down Caleb Williams? Which sucks, but at the same time, Bears fans are going to be apoplectic if he continues to play like this and they get rid of him. So I don't know. It's interesting. It'll be an interesting thing. But um, as of right now, I do hope that he continues to play this way and the Bears make the mistake of keeping him. Because, again, from what I can see, he just stood in the pocket and stared down DJ Moore all day and it panned out. Because not only did Washington let him come wide open a lot, but they couldn't tackle him to save their lives. And so we saw like we saw in the preseason where he'd catch a little screen pass and run for 400 yards and get a touchdown. So if that's the reason to keep fields, then do it. And yeah, DJ Moore's playing great. Looks like the offensive line was actually able to block for a little bit. The defense actually looked competent, at least at first, until they collapsed in the second half again. So um, yeah, I will just say congrats to the Bears on your first win. It is a little funny that they're talking so much trash. like. They're talking MVP. They're talking they're going to get nine wins this season, possibly sneak into the playoffs. They're talking Fields as the guy. It's like, bro, this is your first win in like fifteen games. Let's let's take baby steps here, all right? Baby steps. That win snapped the longest. Actually, no, it's it's no, that's right. You still don't have you. You have the record for longest losing streak at home, which you haven't snapped yet. Sorry, I apologize. You still own that record. But it's still the longest losing streak in Chicago Bears history that you just broke. <laughs> so, I mean, don't get me wrong. If you want to keep the coach and the offensive coordinator who now is probably a genius and the offensive line and everything, like, by all means, freaking do it. I don't care. I'm not going to say, I'm not even going to argue with you anymore. Like, it's tempting to go on there and be like, come on, dude, seriously. But I don't want to, because as far as anybody else knows, I am a Chicago Bears fan. I am a Justin Fields fan. I am. I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan of them doing the exact same thing every single year. I don't want change because I don't really buy into the myths. I don't buy into the fact that the Bears just break quarterbacks and they'll never have a good quarterback. No, they will someday. They will. I don't know when. Maybe it won't be in my lifetime. I have no idea. But there will be a time when they have a really good quarterback and they're going to win lots of games. They're probably going to win a a Super Bowl at some point in the the future. I don't ever want to see it. And I don't think it's ever going to happen with Fields. And so I want them to keep Fields. That's, that's where I'm at. But who knows? Maybe he did turn a corner. He might have. I've always left that door open that he could. But I just don't think if he's just staring down TJ Moore, that's a really successful long-term strategy. Just my thought. All right. Um. So I apologize. I can't get you a laughing at the enemy for that. However, the Vikings play the Chiefs, so stay tuned. So I, with college football tomorrow, I, I want to... and We don't have to do this every time, but I'm kind of feeling it a little bit on Friday's... For me, Saturday for you. Especially since yesterday we just talked about overperforming, underperforming, etc. By the way, I appreciate everybody reaching out on uh, Twitter about that. I posted about it. I was actually shocked at the responses. Some of them, like uh, um, Anders Carlson, were, I guess, expected. But I think the number one response, not named Anders Carlson, was Jaden Reed. And I, I guess I'm just kind of shocked by that. I didn't realize... How much everybody loved the guy. <laughs> I'm not mad about it. I think I put him in the overperforming or at least ad expectations level. But I, I, I guess I just missed that in terms of having my finger on the pulse of uh, of Packer fans. I, you know, with the calls coming in and everything, I haven't heard anybody really talk about Jaden Reed. I haven't, I haven't really thought much about Jaden Reed. I thought he was doing okay. Um, I, again, he's he he. I guess the last two weeks he did crack fifty yards, which is nice. He got the two touchdowns against Atlanta, which is good. Certainly nothing to be upset about. But um, yeah, I, w- I would say he's having a good rookie season. Again, if you have a seventy PFF grade, which he basically has sixty nine, his receiving grade is a sixty nine point nine. That's that's high for a rookie, and I'm I am definitely happy with him. I just uh, especially when you say outperform expectations, because a lot of times fans' expectations are high, especially when you're talking about a second round. Uh, Packers wide receiver it's easy for the fan base to have expectations through the roof for him and he I mean I don't know I I I guess I was just very surprised to see that at least 50 percent of the responses had Jaden Reed in it so that one did surprise me a little bit but I want to look at some of the um maybe lesser and, and and actually I'm glad I did I mentioned that the number one reason I wanted to do the show was so that I can brag on Devontae Wyatt because one of the top responses for underperforming was Devontae Wyatt. Everybody is really upset. In fact, most people seemingly have given up on him. The way that the responses were worded were, I really was hoping he was going to be something, but I just don't think he's going to be. So hopefully, you listen to what I'm saying, and and, uh, again, I I don't mean to necessarily um, compare him to Rashawn Gary, but it's the only similar person I can think of in which I had to Constantly reassure people. He was. I had people trolling me on social media constantly about Rashawn Gary. Oh, where's your boy? Where's your boy? He's so good. I thought, bro, 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 I think the only reason I'm not getting that is because Devontae Wyatt. People didn't really hate the pick, whereas Rashawn Gary, people did. So you know, every time somebody hates a first round pick, man, oh man, the, the fan base can't let it go. But um, yeah, I had to constantly reaffirm and reassure everybody that. No, Rashawn's actually looking good. His stats are actually solid; like they're fine. He's doing a good enough job. He's just not getting opportunities, and the sacks aren't quite there. But like he's a he's a solid pass rusher, and that's kind of where we're at with Devontae Wyatt. Anyways, I never got to the part where I was going to tell you what we're doing today. Um, <laughs> I went back. I was like, did I say what we're doing today? And I went back and listened, and I just I was on this rabbit trail. Um, let's let's finish up with. Uh, some of the news and notes. First of all, David Bakhtiari did confirm he's down for the season. Surprisingly, he said his goal is to come back for 2024, which, you know, it, again, I, I this is why I don't like reading too much into stuff, because I would say like 90% of the time it ends up becoming not how it feels or seems or whatever. But at the same time, I'm sitting here like, why did it need to be weird? I guess he just wanted to be the one to say he's done for the year. I don't know. Usually it's, it's not that way, but he's just like, yeah, I'm... I'm Doesn't seem like he had much to say. I don't don't know. Just kind of like, yeah, I'm done. See you next year. Like, oh, all right. I mean, Matt could have told us that a couple days ago, but that's cool. Thank you. I do feel a little bad for him. I mean, maybe I'm just being pessimistic at this point, and he's going to come back strong and ready to rock and roll and completely healthy. But, you know, I I meant it when I said he... it's probably good that he's retiring. Obviously, he's not retiring, but in my mind, it's like go get healthy because this is going to be a long term thing with your knee, dude. This is bad. Um, and don't you know you don't want to do any more damage to this thing. I mean, who knows? Maybe he's just going to end up getting a replacement or something at some point. But I, I, I don't know. It, it just, it just feels like are we really doing this again? You know, I don't know. I don't know, and and, and we'll see what happens next year. Maybe he's doing that in hopes of holding out because he knows the Packers aren't going to probably bring him back. So there's a chance he goes to the Jets, plays with his boy Rodgers, and he's kind of holding out hope for something like that. I don't know. I'm not really sure. Um, maybe just wants to keep his options open, not just going to retire on the spot. Um, but I was a little bit surprised to hear him just come out and say, yeah, I'll be ready to go next year. Like, oh, Great. Cool. We'll, uh maybe we'll see him next year. I don't know. I would doubt it. Obviously just like anybody else, you, you wish the best for him, just like Devontae or, you know, Rogers next year when we're not dependent on his pick. Whatever. Um, but it just it just seems like, you know, you sure <laughs> you sure you want to go through this dude? It doesn't seem like it's gonna be a thing. Um, Elton Jenkins, no real word on him quite yet. He uh he's limited, so he is practicing. It sounds like it's mostly just a pain management thing. Um, I'm actually surprised he's back already. Doesn't mean he's going to play. In fact, if I had to guess, just based on how things have been going this year with, you know, generally guys that I would think are going to play because they're limited throughout the practice schedule, you would think, okay, they're probably pretty good. He'll end up being questionable. He'll probably play, and then they get shut down. I would lean he gets shut down, but, you know, especially with the bye coming up and everything, and this not necessarily seeming like a tough opponent, although we're kind of with our back against the wall. Now with the Bears winning a game and the Vikings are up a game and we only won two games, if we lose to the Raiders, that's not great. I'm just saying. By the way, how much does this suck for the Vikings? Sorry if I said this already, but you finally claw your way out and you're like, yes, we're not last. We're clearly better. We're going to start climbing. And the only thing that happened is the Bears win their game and you know you're probably going to lose to the Chiefs. And it's like, damn it, man. <laughs> it could be in last place with the freaking Bears. I mean, they could beat the Chiefs. I, I, I've already said that's possible, but we'll save that for Sunday. Also got some further good news. John Runyon did return to uh, to practice. He was out. I don't think I went over the injury report yesterday, but we had Zane Anderson, which I feel so weird just mentioning him on this injury report because it's like, I don't even know who the guy is. Zane Anderson, Devondre Campbell, Rudy Ford, and John Runyon were all uh, uh, out. Jair, Elton, Aaron Jones, Eric Stokes, Zach Tom, Christian Watson were all limited. And then Luke Musgrave and Carrington Valentine were full participants. And as I said with Musgrave, not that I really know, but I can't imagine that you did not pass concussion protocol and you are a full participant. In fact, I'd be surprised, even though I think this has happened before, if you were even allowed to be limited. Um, I don't don't know how that works. But anyways, as I said, that was yesterday or two days ago, whatever. um, Injury report. John Runyon and Rudy Ford both back So that's a positive, doesn't necessarily mean they're going to play, but they were back practicing. So I think aside from Devondre Campbell at this point, nobody is off the table. And I shouldn't even say Devondre is, but I'm, I'm pretty solid he will be, based on his own personal report that it was a high ankle sprain. So I don't know, man, we'll see. Fingers crossed for a lot of these guys. I mean, to be honest, I don't really want to rush anybody back. But I don't want to be too conservative either because you look at what happened not this past week but like two weeks ago where we kind of had the same mentality and everybody sat. So you look at it individually, it's like I think we can survive, but man, you look at Watson, Zach, Tom, Valentine, Runyon, Musgrave, Jones, Elton Jenkins, Rudy Ford, Devondre Campbell, Jair Alexander. I mean, these are this I mean, this list is really growing. Um, and so we need to start getting some of these guys back. The other question, of course, on everybody's mind is Eric Stokes and what role he's going to play. Um, I don't know the answer to that question. I, I honestly don't even necessarily want to speculate. That's kind of been my question all along in terms of where he fits. Some people kind of speculated that perhaps he's not... Maybe he's a little further down the pecking order and isn't liked as much as a player. Obviously, that's all just speculation, but we'll see because, you know... Maybe grant him a uh, a, a week to kind of reacclimate But if if you know in two three four weeks, certainly we don't see him back playing, not due to injury, but just because whatever. Then I think it's safe to say that things are just not going well as far as their confidence level in him. And and again, I understand it's kind of a tough situation too because you know again you you can't necessarily say well is Stokes better than. Keyshawn nixon because stokes isn't going to play in the slot and so then you're talking about possibly for example downgrading Razul, who right now is playing fantastic football in the boundary and then also not really upgrading your potentially not upgrading your slot depending on Razul's ability in the slot now you could put jair inside but you've got a similar problem that's a big likely downgrade from jair to eric stokes so, I don't know. All, all questions will be answered. Maybe they'll do some kind of a weird rotation thing, depending on personnel or whatever. You know, you think back to that Atlanta game, maybe Eric Stokes would have been possibly a better option. I mean, they had a pretty good slot player too, so you could potentially put Jair in the slot, put Eric Stokes against the bigger, stronger um, Drake London. Just just a thought. I don't know. Other little tidbits before we move on. Chase Claypool was actually traded. I, I got to give the Bears credit. I didn't think they'd actually get anything for him, and they did let Poles cook. However, when you look at it in the grand scheme of things, you gave up the 32nd pick, and uh, at the end of the day, I believe they swapped a 7th for a 6th or something like that. So it's the equivalent of probably kind of close to a 7th. Plus, there's still a decent chance that Claypool's going to be a decent enough receiver out in Miami that it's going to make it look even worse for Chicago, but... Um, yeah, that was that was a brutal, brutal situation. On top of that, there are also reports the Packers were interested in offered a second-round pick. Uh, I don't 100% know that those reports are true, but if they are, instead of getting um, Chase Claypool, we ended up with Jaden Reed. So um, we can thank the Chicago Bears um, not only for doing something incredibly stupid but for saving us from doing something incredibly stupid. So thank you, Chicago. The Detroit Lions uh, apparently, I think it was somewhat of a surprise, at least it's a surprise to me, Um, the Lions listing wide receiver Amon Ross St. Brown as doubtful for Sunday and running back Jameer Gibbs as questionable. Now, they're playing the Carolina Panthers, so it probably shouldn't matter, but I can't think of something that would be much better than the Carolina Panthers beating the Detroit Lions. Um, It massively helps us if the Lions lose. It's great just to see the Lions lose in general because I don't like them. Carolina who the Bears have their pick winning, would be incredible. It's beyond a long shot, but Amon Ross St. Brown and Jameer Gibbs not playing would be a big step forward in that direction. They also are not going to have Brian Branch or their fullback Jason Kabinda, who I feel like they haven't had for a while. Also, tight end James Mitchell is doubtful in this game, and then they got a bunch of other guys. Jameer Gibbs, Kirby Joseph, Emmanuel Mosley, Julian Aquara, Josh Reynolds, Vitai, Jamison Williams, and Frank Ragnall all Questionable, actually. Frank is uh, unspecified. I don't know what his deal is, but quite a list there. And I believe they're on the road this week too. So that that would just be that would be the best possible freaking thing. And it would kind of make it worth it for the the Bears to have won that game because it's kind of useless if the Bears start winning, but they still end up with the first pick because Carolina sucks. Final thing I wanted to mention before we take our first break, uh, wanted to give a uh, giant shout out to a legend of the game. Mr. Dick Buckus, talk a lot of trash about the Bears and whatnot, but I've also mentioned several times that I have uh, deepest admiration for many of the Chicago Bears players, as well as Vikings and Lions and whatnot. I mean, there are legends that have played the game, um, you know, from Barry Sanders to Megatron to, you know, Adrian Peterson and, and Randy Moss, and then, you know, Chicago with all the defenders that they've had, just incredible defensive players, as well as some running backs, you know, Walter Payton and, um, Uh, Gail Sayers is I I, I honestly as great as Walter Payton was I I almost think Gail Sayers was was better I remember going back and watching different highlights for running backs and I think Gail Sayers might have been like my second favorite of the entire group um with the only guy being ahead of him being um what the heck was that guy's name Uh, Bo Jackson That guy was just that was he was insane but anyways um did did but dick butt kiss third time's a charm Just, I think, embodies the NFL and the spirit of the NFL as good or better than just about anybody else. You know, I mean, there there have been a couple Packers that that are similar. You think about a guy like Ray Nitschke or whatever. Just these mean glass chewing monsters. And I don't know about the NFL, but I think if the Bears had a Mount Rushmore, it would be hard to keep Dick Butkus off of that uh, off of that mountain. So, just wanted to uh, tip my cap again. It's all fun and games, kind of just ribbing the rivals and having some fun, but. Great, great football players deserve respect no matter what team they played for. And um, obviously, we have a part of his legacy on our team right now, helping to coach our offensive line. But anyways, I don't know what else to say about it. Kind of speaks for itself. You all know who he is. Grateful to have had him in the game. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, well, as much as I want to start digging into the Raiders, I want to save that a little bit more for tomorrow. Um... What I wanted to do was give you some... I tried to do this last week, but I forgot to mention like the games and whatnot. Give you some college games and some college prospects to keep an eye on for the Green Bay Packers. And and it's fun to do it each week because every week there's a new dire need. So this week, the biggest one right now is offensive line. Unfortunately, the top dog is not playing this week. And that is Olu Fashanu. Now, here's some kind of good news. Number one... We're probably not going to be picking high enough to get him anyways. Um, He has been flying up the boards currently, according to NFL Mock Draft Database. He is the fifth, consensus fifth overall player. And fourth is Brock Bowers, the tight end, considering I doubt a tight end goes before a tackle. You know, very likely to be a top four, top three potential prospect taken, depending on the team. I mean, if a team with the number one pick... Needs an offensive lineman, doesn't need a quarterback. Let's say it's the Bears and they want to roll with Fields. It's not impossible. I mean, Marvin Harrison would make sense, but it could end up being a guy like that. So, all that to say, the next best option right now to look at is six foot eight, three hundred and twenty-two pound Joe Alt. And another reason why you might consider that a positive is because I, I tend to believe and think that it is consensus. That Joe Alt, although maybe not as good or refined as a pass blocker, is a very good pass blocker and actually a really good run blocker as well. So, for those of us that are like, eh, you know, Packers are never going to go end up getting a good run blocker, so what does it matter? You you, you, you lean in Fashanu. But I think Alt kind of presents potential there. Last year, well, let, let's put it this way Joe Alt went from a, from 2021, 76 pass blocking grade up to an 82 pass blocking grade last year. He went from a 76 to a 91 run blocking grade. This year, however, the run blocking grade is kind of normalized back to a 77, but his pass blocking has continued to improve. So he went from a 76 to an 82. He's now at an 88. His lowest pass blocking grade was last week against Duke, where he had a 74 pass blocking grade. So he's all around just kind of tearing it up. Now, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that his game against Louisville is going to be, you know, some kind of major thing to keep an eye on. I mean, Ohio State already was that game. He gave up zero, zero sacks, zero hits, and one hurry. If that doesn't tell you more or less what you need to know, I don't know what to tell you. But uh, Louisville does have some decent pass rushers, uh, specifically Ashton Galotti. He's a decent pass rusher. He's got three sacks so far this season. Pretty solid pressure rate. And he does line up over on the offensive, the left tackle side. So we'll see how he's able to handle that. But I mean, this has been the guy. He's given up one sack, one hit, and one hurry so far this year. That's three. Th- three total pressures through six games so if you're fishing around for a game to watch you want someone to key in on um watching the notre dame game massive monstrous six foot eight 322 pound joe alt might be someone to keep an eye on there is also the alabama game alabama versus texas a&m jc latham who is a right tackle who also played right guard in 2021 so he's got some versatility although you know again do we want a right tackle i don't know but six foot six, 335-pound, J.C. Latham is going to be playing. His uh, run blocking has gotten worse every single year. He went from a 78 down to a 72. So far this year, he has a 69 run blocking grade. But his pass blocking the last two years, since he played tackle, he was kind of, it was a 53 when he played guard. But the last two years he's played tackle, 85 pass blocking grade and 84.4 pass blocking grade. His lowest graded game was week one. He had a 75 pass blocking grade. So he's doing a fantastic job. It's just kind of a question of, is that the direction we want to go? I mean, potentially Zach Tom could be our left tackle. I don't really know. I hate messing with a good thing. You guys know that. But uh, who knows? Maybe they think he can play left, whatever. Just for reference, and and you know, a lot of these tackles are kind of flying up, which is good for us for a team that needs it. Joe Alt is currently sitting at eighth, which is relatively high. And then JC Latham is sitting at 14th. There's also Armarius Mims, Offensive tackle who is 18th. So, in the top half of the draft, you basically have four offensive tackles. It's not a terrible situation for a team that's looking for offensive line help. Mims, I would say, is actually very similar in my mind to JC Latham. Six foot seven, 340, is a little tiny bit bigger, but largely the same size. Um, the run blocking has gotten worse. The pass blocking the last two years has been dominant in the 80s. The first year in 2021 was not. So they're like identical players, at least in terms of, you know, their trajectory. Now, how that materializes throughout the year, I don't know. But if you're watching the uh, Georgia-Kentucky game, keep an eye on right tackle Armarius Mims. My own personal recommendation for offensive tackle, someone to keep an eye on, and let's see where he's ranked here. 174th, good, he's he's a deep cut. Jonah Monheim, he's a left tackle for USC. That's going to be on at the 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 late game, 9.30 p.m. for able to watch that one. Ninth ranked USC. Obviously, everybody wants to watch that quarterback anyways, but keep an eye on their left tackle. He's six foot five, three hundred pounds. He has an 85.3 pass blocking grade and a 70.2 run blocking grade. He's given up one sack, one hit, two hurries in his one, two, three, four, five games that he's played. He's in his fourth year at USC. Last year, he had an 82-run blocking grade and an 85-pass blocking grade. Didn't give up a single sack or hit. He did give up 21 hurries, which isn't great. But no sacks, no hits is obviously a massive uh, massive win. So if you're looking for a little bit more of a deep cut, that would be my suggestion. All right, we're going to take one more break. We'll come back. I know it's not the most fun thing to look at if you're watching a football game. But since it's all the rage and it's what everybody's talking about, some interior guys to watch this saturday. We'll be right back. So right now the 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 top guy as far as well I'll I'll just read the top names to you if you want to watch them or whatever. Um but the top names as of right now, there are no real first round picks, so it's not a great interior class at least for right now in and and this is just according to all these things that doesn't mean statistically or PFF wise or whatever that you can't find some some studs. But at 60 overall, Cedric Van Pramp 71 overall, Donovan Jackson out of Ohio State. At 80 is Christian Mahogany. 83 is Javion Cohen, and that's it. Those are the those are the four in the top 100. After that, you have Brandon Coleman at 106 out of TCU. So it's not the strongest class in the history of the universe. If you're looking for my own personal recommendations, I mean, one guy uh, you would have had to have watched yesterday uh, playing for Kansas State is Cooper Beebe. How Kansas State is weird. I mean, that's the thing with college in general. I mean, d- different teams have different ways of playing football, and that can affect the evaluation process. A lot of things to know, but I mean, he, he's he's doing a fantastic job since 2021. Um, he has an 89.3 pass blocking grade, which is identical to what his grade was last year. He has a 79.5 run blocking grade, which is consistent with what he's done the last several years. So, depending on your thoughts on drafting a Kansas State offensive lineman, he's performing very very well. If for anybody that felt like punishing yourself and wanted to watch UConn, (laughs) look, if you're just hardcore scouting offensive linemen, they got a right guard by the name of Christian Haynes. He's listed at uh, 155 overall, so kind of known, expected to be drafted, not massively popular yet. But uh, last year he had a big breakout year, 91 pass blocking grade, 85 run blocking grade, 85 over, or 84 overall, gave up no sacks kind of question whether or not he can do it again while he's doing it again he currently has an 89 pass blocking grade and an 87 run blocking grade um he's a right guard he's only ever been a right guard he spent five years there so he's not going to be the youngest guy in the history of the world but probably a mid-round target that could end up being a pretty good football player another right guard by the name of matthew jones out of ohio state um he is just for my own personal taste probably not my favorite spent 5 years at Ohio State been a pretty solid run blocker for most of his career there or basically all his career the problem i have is the pass blocking has been so up and down 6 foot 4 315 uh right guard early started out as a left guard played a little bit of center but not much but if you just look from year to year starting in 2019 his pass blocking grades it was 84 29 74 66 84 so he's having a really good year, but it makes me nervous. Another intriguing Georgia product, if you're interested, uh, Micah Morris is their left guard. Basically, always been a pretty good pass. I mean, he's, he's in 2021 and 2022, he was the, uh, Georgia, the Georgia equivalent of John Runyon. I mean, he's, he's the left guard, but he had basically a 75 pass blocking grade and a 65 run blocking grade. This year, however, He's up to 84.2 pass blocking and 78 run blocking. He's having a very good year. 6'6, 330. He's a big dude. Obviously got to see how that plays out, if he can continue that. Again, Georgia's playing against Kentucky. So there's a couple different guys on that team if you wanted to watch that. Wouldn't necessarily say it's a good game or going to be a good game, but it'll be a uh, you know, it's the number one team against another ranked team. And again, Georgia's got some really good offensive linemen to keep an eye on final guard I, I wish there were more centers there really are not i tried as hard as i could kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel as it is but the final guard uh, if you wanted to check out for whatever reason if you happen to be a wake forest fan or a clemson fan for that matter and are going to be checking out that game they do have a left guard by the name of michael Jergens. now Jergens is in year six so he's going to be up in age he also is having i mean as far as his grades this year it couldn't be any better His run-blocking grades have been 76, 79, 80, and 70. His pass-blocking grades have been 86, 79, 72, and 79. He hasn't had anything other than a good grade in run-blocking and pass-blocking every single game this year. Um, With that said, again, he's been in college for a long time. Also, the run-blocking completely out of left field. He has never been a good run-blocker before this year, so there's no real reason to believe that that's going to continue. However, it is worth noting because he does have center experience. In fact, he played most of his career as a center up until 2023. So again, I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel trying to find something center-wise for those of you looking. Michael Jurgens is someone to keep an eye on. He is currently ranked 412th. So there's that. Final guy that I have for you, Boston College Eagles, Kyle Hergel. Um, another guy that is currently a left guard. Before that was a right guard but potentially could play center six foot two 315 pounds spent two years at North Dakota two years at Texas state and now one year at Boston College always been a good pass blocker run blocking has been at least decent almost every single year if not good 2021 he had an 89 run blocking grade this year he has a 72 run blocking grade again he's probably a guard but you know I'm trying to give you something to look at as a potential center at some point. And that isn't necessarily to say there aren't any decent center prospects. I'm just trying to find games for this week. For example, uh, one guy that you'd probably want to keep an eye on is Oregon's Jackson Power Johnson. Powers Johnson. Phenomenal football player. But they don't play this week, so something to keep an eye on for next time. Anyways, that's all I wanted to get you today. A little bit of an update on where the Packers are at, give you some games to watch, some players to watch for offensive line this week. Hopefully next week we have some new fears and concerns that we can look at But I'm going to leave you at that. You guys have a good one. Bye-bye.